Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith, because our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make him known as our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can always get the message online, YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast that's air on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three. This month, Pastor Martin continues his series, Loving God. Turn to Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, as Pastor Martin explains the relationship of love. Let's listen. The word of God reads as follows. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You may be seated this morning. When we consider God's creation, we understand that with all uh, that God did, that all the splendor of creation and all the complexities of his creation, there is none more complex, more amazing than mankind. We stand at the pinnacle of God's creation because it is mankind whom God gave the distinct uh, blessing of calling us those who have been made in the likeness of his image. Now, we understand that creation is a reflection of God, all that he created, all that he's done. It reflects how God is so uh, broad and advanced. However, he, of all his creation, he said of mankind, let us make man in the likeness of our image. God made mankind as he is relational. He made us relational beings. This can be understood from the very beginning because in the beginning, after making the first man, God having filled the garden with the animals of creation, God looked at man and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Because he understood that man wasn't in the garden by himself, but he needed one like himself that he might relate to. Thus, we understand that God had a relational God created relational men in his image. The English poet and Anglican priest, John Donne, in the 17th century, he was famously for writing, no man is an island. Don understood that man's need to exist in community, and he argued that, that we are interconnected with, the, uh, with all of mankind, and that we are to understand our 
intrinsic need to be connected with the one true God. From Scripture, however, we can go on and further advance our understanding of this because we can conclude that the one true God who is relational created relational men and women whom he desired to live in relationship with. Because when we go back to the Garden of Eden, as we saw last week, that God, when he created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden. And watch this. He began to walk through the garden, and he would just call them by name. Before sin entered into the world and alienated us from God, we existed in relationship with the relational God in the place he had provided for us. However, we learned last week that when, we, when sin entered, we were alienated from God, alienated from ourselves, alienated from others, and alienated from his creation. So here's the thing. If we understand that God is relational and he created us to be relational, he established us in the garden in relationship with himself then we must understand that he desires relationship. That leads us to our first point of the day. And that is that God is not interested in religion. He's interested in relationship. Relationship rather than religion. That's our first point. Let's look back in our text. Slide up to verse 29. Here's what the word of God says. He says, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. I want to stop there because here's the thing. Jesus is actually quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you understand Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is uh, the, the, the word Deuteronomy is second law. So as Moses is getting ready to give them all of these laws, he stops to say, wait a minute, let's understand that God is not get, setting up the rule book. He's setting up the boundaries. See, they understood, Israel only understood the law as being the rule book. But he was setting up the boundaries for the relationship. Thus, he starts by saying, hear, O Israel, I'm one. And that's, that's context because they had just come out of Egypt. Well, at that time, the Egyptians were worshiping as many as 25 different gods. And all of them had grown up in this system of believing that there were all these gods. So God first established, wait a second, there's no 25, there's just me. Just one. And then he says, and this one, you should love with all your heart. So the reality is everything that Moses says after that is speaking to the boundaries of the love relationship. So God is not interested in just religion and religious practices. He's... So when we understand there's a dichotomy, there's religion versus relationship. Religion versus relationship, because here's the thing. 
if we use a working definition of religion, we understand that religion is any specific system of beliefs that has practices or ordinances or values that follow. That means you can create a religion out of anything. Some of us are religious about the things we're a part of. Some of us are religious about the things that we've purchased. So religion is not what God was looking for because it can be any system of belief that has practices that follow. Here's the thing. The reason that God is not looking for religious practices or just religion, because here's the thing. Religion may impact some or even in some cases, most of what you do. But relationship affects all that you do. Okay, let me help you with this. See, see, I love my wife. And I can make, I, I understand the, the rules of, of being a husband. And so that will guide most of what I do. If I just say, she's my wife, by, by position, we've married, we have an agreement, we have a license we signed, and we have certain rules that we live by. However, because I'm not just in an agreement with her, I'm in relationship with her, it affects everything that I do. Here's how it works. Even when I'm at Walmart and the cute little cashier says, mm, that cologne smells good. And that haircut you have, it looks nice. That even in that moment where flattery and flirtation might be something that strokes my ego, I have to stop myself and say, yes, my wife loves it too. Because religion will affect most of what you do, but relationship affects all that you do. So here's the thing. God wasn't interested in just setting up a religious system. He was trying to establish relationship. Now, I want to help you today because the reality is that relationship with God can only be established through Christ Jesus. So one way to define religion, religion is man's means or way by which they're trying to reach God. That's another definition. We have things we do that we feel like, hey, this is what God would want. If I were a God, this is what I would want. However, there are four steps that I want to share with you to relationship with God. Four steps. I'll explain each one, but I'll give you the list real quick. Four. One is the meet. You got to meet him. Two, you get to know him. Three, you got to spend time with him. And then lastly, you got to live in commitment to him. I'll read those again. That's you got to meet. There's a meet. There's a get to know. There is spending the time with him, and then there is living commitment. Let's start with the first one. We're going to reach back to a couple weeks ago. Our pastor was teaching about the necessary relationship, necessary conversation. And he was looking at the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And after she met Jesus, see, we understand she didn't just have an encounter. She actually met him. 
Because if you go back and look at John chapter 4 and you slide down to verse 28 and 29, here's what her reaction was to meeting Jesus. She said, then the woman left her, her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man. Because I met somebody at the water pot. I've been down there many times every day getting water, but today is like no other day. She said, I met somebody down at the water pot. Down at the well with my water pot trying to get some water, and I had an encounter. And I met someone. I met this man named Jesus who told me all about myself but still took the time to be engaged with me. Knew all the mess that I'd been, knew all of my past, all the details of what I was and what I used to be, and he still was not, he was still willing or not put off by who I was because he saw who I was and knew there was a plan to make me what I couldn't be. So the first step is you got to meet him. You got to know him. Recently, LeBron James had this happen, and he took some flack for this. He and his wife were out for an evening, and a young man who probably knows all of his stats, who's followed him all of his life and all of his career, feeling that he knew him, ran up to him like they, were, they knew each other. And LeBron James responded by pushing him away and was very much uh, criticized for his reaction because here's the thing even though he knew of LeBron LeBron didn't know him because they had never so the first thing that we have to do you can learn all about Christianity but you got to make sure at one point you met Jesus that you met him so the first part is you got to meet. The second one is you got to get to know him. For this, we have to go and, and, and visit uh, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29. This is a passage that has been quoted many times over the years in, 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 the, in our Christian circles. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Because you got to get to know. You meet, you don't leave it there. You've got to now spend some time getting to know. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 11:28. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We've heard that, right? We've sung it. Come unto me. We've sung these songs. We've sung this verse. But here's why we came, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me or learn from me, depending on your translation. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want to stop there and go back to particular things that Jesus says. He said, take, first thing he says, take my yoke upon you. Here's what you need to understand. I know that not all of us, I'm in Texas coming from Indiana, the Midwest, where there's mostly corn in Indiana, but there, I find that there's a lot of cattle, livestock here in Texas. 
Now, I don't know many of you are city slickers, so you don't know anything about this. But here's what a farmer knows. Before we had big tractors we rolled, they had what they would call a yoke of oxen. Somebody said, yes, sir, I hear a farmer out there. You would take a yoke of oxen. Watch this now. A yoke of oxen, a yoke is a wood harness that is put over the back of the necks of both beasts. And it brings them together. And it also keeps them together. Jesus says, if you want to know me, you got to get in yoke with me. Because we're going to have to walk closely together. I can't be at a distance. You can't be handling me with a long handle spoon. We're going to have to be yoked in side by side. Daily he walks with me. Daily he talks with me. So yoke here speaks of closeness. Here's the other thing. Take my yoke of, upon you and learn of me or learn from me. Learn from me is the next thing we need to look at. Learn of me or learn from me. So if he's saying, while we're yoked together, spending time together, then you can get to know me. So here is how we can conclude what Jesus is saying. He says that you're going to have to learn with me in closeness. Take my yoke on you. I've gotten in the yoke. I'm waiting for you to get into the yoke. We get close and watch this. And while we're close and walking together and talking together, you can learn from me. So we understand the next step is that you have to, you meet and then you get to know in closeness. Here's the thing. And if you're writing notes, please note, note this. The only way to know God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And becoming acquainted with his word through the guidance of his Holy Spirit living in you. The only way to learn of, to know God is through his son, Jesus Christ, by his word, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, as you spend time in the word. You might say, well, pastor, that sounds very exclusive. I didn't write it. Jesus said it. Because here's what I understand. I know some of you watching online or some sitting here, you've got people you know, and they're pretty good people, but they've got their own belief system. But here's what Jesus said. He says, I am the way, not a way. He's not in the group with everybody else. He is one way, the way. I am the way. If someone is trying to find truth, he says, I am the truth. And if you're trying to understand what happens after death, he says, and I am the life. But here's the key. Here's the key. No man, good man, bad man, she man, he man, they man, us men, no man comes to the Father except they come through, through me. So the only way that you can get to know God is through his son, Jesus, and through the understanding that you gain from his word 
with his spirit guiding you. The, the fourth step to relationship with God is you got to spend time with him. Spend time with him. We'll go back to John chapter 4, but we'll look at 23 this time. Look what it says. But the hour has come, and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And here's the thing. He says, and the Father is seeking such. Because here's the thing. You cannot worship what you don't know. You can't worship what you don't know because here is the definition. Here's the working definition we're using today for worship. It is to adore, to pay divine honor, to reverence with supreme respect of unbound admiration, intense love, extreme devotion. Based upon the definition of worship, it would be very difficult to worship without spending time. Because I need to know what I'm going to worship you for. Okay? Uh, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that everything that has breath can praise the Lord. That's why Jesus didn't say, hey, God is looking for all the praises he can get. So the Father is, he's got creation to praise him. But he's seeking worshipers. Those who worship in spirit and in truth. And here's how the psalmist put it uh, in Psalm 42, because here, here, here's, here's something I want to share with all the lovers, all the say, I love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. We can really say it, can't we? I love you. I love you, Jesus. Here's what the, here's what the psalmist says. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. I'm one of those two. I... I can get torn up when it comes to worship of God. I just start to cry and then, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But watch this. The psalmist says it this way. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2, he says, As the deer pants for water in the brook, so my soul is thirsting or seeking you, God. Verse 2 says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, and here's what it says. When shall I appear before him? When is the next time we coming together? When is the next opportunity for us to meet God? Because you already know this. When you, you fell in love with somebody, the person you, either the person you're in love with that's sitting next to you or the person next to you that you used to love and you didn't learn to love or the person that you still fantasize about that you lost back in high school. Whoever that is, one of the things that was clear, when you believe that you love, you wanted to spend time with, and you couldn't get enough. Anybody ever been on the phone, fell asleep and woke up? You still there? Are you starting to feel sleepy? A little bit, not a whole lot. 
Why? Because in order to really experience love, you've got to get to know. So you've got to spend some time together. We need to move on. Uh, The last step in relationship is then we must, after we've met the Lord, we've gotten to know him through his word, which is a continual process. As we spend time with him that we might fully understand who he is, then we must live in commitment to him. Jeremiah said it this way. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, he says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, this sounds like somebody, uh, I was watching a program recently. uh, Do you know they still mine for gold? I didn't know that. There's still gold miners who are up in, in uh, uh, the Dakotas and Montana and areas like in the West. They're still up there and they've got this whole process of how they go. And they'll be searching and digging and scooping tons and tons of dirt. And, and, and what amazed me, because as they were working, they showed all of their operation and all of the, 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 the effort that went into it. But Jonathan, well, the, thing, the thing that was interesting was when they got done, they had a little cup about this big. with just some crumbs of gold. And they put it on the scale and everybody in the room started shouting. And I got a revelation because I realized that's what Jeremiah is talking about. They had gone out of their way. Trial, tribulation, their equipment shut down. No matter what happened, a storm came in, snow fell, they had a blizzard in that season. But they kept searching and searching because what they were seeking, they believed was valuable enough to endure. So Jeremiah says, you will find, God says, He'll find, you can find me when you search for me with all your heart. So we understand that this living in commitment is a continual searching daily that I seek to know, God, how can I please you? How can my life reflect you? If I'm supposed to live as your image, how can my life reflect you? And we all, can we all agree that that takes a lifetime, doesn't it? Because we, ha- we don't have it figured out. Things that you said I'd never do, do again, you did this week. Right? Commitments you made, I never as long as I live. You must be dead because you just did it again. you like a cat. You're on your nine lives. You got nine of them. You keep on doing this because it is a continual searching. And here's the blessing of the God we serve. He's not interested so much in just your results because he seeks that and desires that. But he's, he's, he's very much in tune with your desire. Because here's what the word says. It said, anyone who searched for him, he rewards those who diligently seeks him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Hebrews 11 and 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Last week, we shared with you that in order to fully understand our place and position as mankind, all of mankind's first priority should be seeking to know how to love God and to know him. Mark chapter 12 and 31, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read this for you. Look what it says. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. There's three part, there, there's four parts that address you, that, that, that's, that's a part of you there. Love with all your heart. How do you feel about Jesus? In terms of your expression of love, do you, do you truly love him? Or are you just a part of the Christian religion? You had to believe something, so hey, this sounds the best. The next one, with all your soul, that's all your emotions. I want you to see this one. The soul is the seat of your emotions. That's, who, that, that's, that's, who, that's what makes you who you are. Here's the thing. He said you should love God with all your emotions. That means that even when you get frustrated, you should still remember that you're supposed to love Jesus. That's why you can't cuss the cashier out and be on YouTube going viral and then come in here and get up to the praise team. He said you should love God with your emotions. Yeah, you get upset. God gave us that. This is a natural given part of who we are. But even in my love for him, my emotions are still subjective. They're subject to my love for God. The next one, my mind. What, what are my thoughts? What are the things I'm thinking? How's my thought life? I may not act upon it, but people don't know what I'm thinking. How many people have you murdered in your mind? You gave them the ugly eye. But in your mind, you say, I wish you would die. Even our mind, our thoughts, there are times that my mind gets off. I say, oh, wait, oh, wait a second. That's the old mind. That's the old man. That ain't me. Brother Johnny, that ain't, that ain't who I am now. That's what I used to be. And then he says, with all your strength, that means your effort, your resource, your time, your talent, your gift. Love God even with your resources, your strength, your ability. He says, you should love with all of those. That leads us, and I'm almost done. I just have two more points, and I'm almost done. The heavy lifting was in the first part, and just that first point. But now these last two points, I'll make these, and I'll be done. Point two, you should avoid weighing down the relationship. Point number two, avoid weighing down the relationship. We need, we need Hebrews chapter 12 to help us with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Now, this is after Hebrews 11, in which we have all of the, what's called the Faith Hall of Fame, and lists all those by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's verse 1. And it helps us who understand all these people by faith did these great things. And then after finishing that in verse 13, here's what it says in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Here's what he says. He says, since we know this, let us lay aside every weight 
and sin which easily besets us or ensnares us and let us run this race with endurance that is set before us. We have lay aside this weight. So we understand here that we've got to travel lightly. As we journey with Jesus, we can't journey heavy. We have to journey light or travel light. Here's, here's something I want to share with you. The John Muir Trail uh, in California is actually in the uh, Sierra Nevada, the famed Sierra Nevada. It's a 211-mile trail. Now, it takes three weeks to traverse this trail. Now, here's the thing. All the hikers know because you're traveling through lakes and rivers and streams and over mountainsides that you must travel light. You must bring along the right amount of supply. Here's the thing. If you carry too much, then you'll find yourself running out of strength to finish. However, if you carry too little, you'll find yourself not having enough to complete the journey. Only the essentials are necessary when you're traveling this journey. So you must have the right gear. You got to have the right footwear. Make sure you've got the right shelter in the case of inclement weather. Make sure you've got the right, right rations. You don't want to have a whole lot of, you don't want to have cheat, uh, Cheetos and hot fries. And, you know, you don't want to have all that in the pack because you ain't going to make it. You, you, mile number seven, you'll be laid down. Somebody didn't come in with the paramedics. You ain't going to make it 211 miles that way. So here's the thing. In order to finish well on the journey, you've got to make sure you travel well. And the same goes for us as believers. It, those who have put our faith in Christ Jesus, we must understand that if we're going to travel with him, it's going to require careful consideration of what to bring on the journey. Because some things will not aid you in finishing well. God has provided directions from, from his word of how to follow Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, we can know what habits, what dreams, what desires, what things to connect ourselves with, who to connect ourselves to, to bring along on the journey through the directives that he's given in his word. And the blessing of traveling light is that we understand that when we are traveling light, we can finish well. So we must avoid weighing down the relationship with all kinds of things. So he says, let us run this race that is set before us. My final point for the day relationship watch this now this is, this is a visual relationship with him will guide relationship with them let me do it again relationship with him 
guide's relationship with them. Because going back to Mark chapter 12, verse 31, here's what it said. And the second is just like the first. Love, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. You should love others the same way you want to be loved. You should treat others the same way you want to be treated. Now watch this. This breaks us down because many of us, we, we will find ourselves sometimes making statements like this. Now I love her, but I don't do her. Somebody's laughing. They didn't say that many times over the years. Said, oh, I, oh, oh, Lord, give me the strength. He has. The Holy Spirit in you is what helps us to do what we can't do by ourselves. But I want you to see this because this, I'm, I'm concluding with this. Here's the final note for the day because it's going to help to bring all this together. We are limited in our ability to live in full relationship with God when we lack understanding of the significance of relationship with others. Because in our minds we think, hey, I can love God, but I don't have to love people. And God said, oh, hold on. That's not part of what I have established. Because here's the thing. Religion says you can. Oh, I could come here and be religious. Hey, Brother Johnson. Sister. Hello there. Praise the Lord. How are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. Religion. Relationship demands relational beings be relationship. Watch this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse, for the sake of time, don't turn there. I'm going to go ahead and go right into it. 1 John chapter 4, but please note it. Chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Here's what it says. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love. That's our mission here at Amity. To let the world know that Jesus is real because they see love one to another. Look what verse 12 says. No one has seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. See, when I told you that God gives us the ability to love those that are unloving, because the love of God being perfected in us allows us or gives us capacity to love others. Because it doesn't mean that I prefer everyone. We have preferences. If I were to ask you your favorite food, various different hands would go off with different things, right? Because we prefer certain things. The same goes for people. We prefer certain type of people. That's how you choose your friends. But when it comes to love, love has no preference. Love loves because there's a need for love. Here's the next one in the same fourth chapter of 1 John. Slide down to verse 20, 21. Here's what it says. If someone says, I love God. I love you, Jesus. It says, if someone says, I love God, 
and hates his brother. Watch this now. He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God, here it is now, must love his brothers. We can't, we can't understand the full sense of relationship with God without understanding the significance of loving others. And finally, my final two uh, final word, my final two words for the day. The relationship of love with God is only fully accomplished through also loving our neighbors as ourselves. There's no way around it. You're not going to be a hermit, go into your little, little cove and stay and just be me and Jesus in here and Jesus alone. Because he says, if you're going to love me, you're going to have to learn to love others. Amen. The next thing and final word, the relationship of love with God is not accomplished merely through religious engagement or religious practices, but through sincere daily pursuit of loving God and your devotion to him. The reality that God has made us relational and then desired for us to come back in relationship with him or to exist in relationship with him is made evident through the Lord Jesus Christ. For he comes into the world and he says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved, being brought into relationship with him. Thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist you in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.